Hello. And see, Kevin, you 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 get to experience a chipmunk as well. Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed, the weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba to news. Scuba Obsessed, episode 297, is recorded live September 8th, 2016. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. This is Darren Jolson coming to you from the southwest side of the great state of Michigan. Joining me this week, we have Mac, the dive mentor. How are you doing today, Mac? I'm doing very well. Glad to be here. And we also have Kevin Ailes. How are you doing today, Kevin? I'm doing excellent, Darren. And how about yourself? I'm doing great as well. It's beautiful. We have this weather that I so desperately love. Uh, you know, we, we try not to complain about the warm summer weather. But it does get a tad bit roasty. And right now, I call this good sleeping and working weather. Other than the mosquitoes. I can do without the mosquitoes. Yeah, those mosquitoes are tough this year. Well, I think What's we saved up a whole season's worth of mosquitoes that come out all in one month. Well, it's, it's been quite rain. And I'm sure with, with the rain, there's a lot of standing water in areas. But um, I've even seen those those really big ones. Mac, what do they, what do they call those the, the really oversized, like the mosquitoes on steroids? I'm sure you've seen those too, haven't you? Well, I think they've migrated down from Alaska. I've seen those yeah. up there. They look like small drones. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's kind of like the Arnold Schwarzenegger of mosquitoes, you know? I mean, and they're not real subtle. They, you know, when they sit down on you, you know they're there. You know, your, your shoulder kind of droops a little bit. It's like, hey, I'm Arnold, you know? I mean, yeah. So, so they've got like a drone number written on the side so you can identify them. Well, we, we've not had any problems with them down here. Last week on Thursday when we did our dive, we made the mistake of parking in the grass. Oh. So we pulled the boat up so we could get our gear off. It was almost like a fog of mosquitoes. It was like, whoops. Yeah, and they're going for any bare skin. You can tell when they're bad when they start biting you under your hat rims and glasses. Well, we stayed with our full face gear on, <laughs> our hood and our, gla- our gloves, till we unloaded everything, and then everybody got spray out. We had the bug, bug bombs tonight and regular spray. Uh, made a hell of a difference. But when you have to keep your, your wetsuit on to keep from getting eaten alive, that's pretty bad. So we don't have any of the neoprene penetrating kind of mosquitoes yet. Well, that's why you use the thick stuff, you know. So seven millimeter, three millimeter skin suit wouldn't work well. We also had leeches tonight. Leeches. Oh, oh yeah. We had a few people diving without the gloves. Oh. Like, Wait a minute, what is that? So you pull on one, it looks like a rubber band attached to your arm <laughs> or your leg. It was quite interesting. Ah. I'll tell you, Mac, you're, you're, you're not selling our listeners on that river dive. There were leeches <laughs> in the water now. Well, you, you saw the picture I posted from uh, yesterday. Uh, with the big croc that, that, oh. that John had there? Yeah. How mm-hmm. big was that croc? That was like a two-person. It, it was pretty big, but uh, I'm going to post something tonight after, and then we'll compare. Oh, no. We had good stuff this, today. Oh. Very good. What kind of shape's that croc in? Perfect. Perfect, huh? Oh, it looked just like it's right out of the showroom. I mean, it's got to be clean a little bit. No cracks and things, no dings. Wow. And it was upside down, so you have a little white part. 
and he dug that out saying, please don't let it be broke. Please don't let it be broke. Oh, I'm, because you know how that is. You get it dug. Oh, those heartbreakers. Right the, end, the damn thing's broke. See, and that's why you don't follow Matt because I think he puts them down in the dirt intentionally. So we, we dig them up. No, we're calling him Big John from now on. Yeah. Well, well, I, I know the picture you've been posting, but getting a lot of attention. I know that, uh, you know, that guys from over that over from Battle Creek area have been uh, really raising a few eyebrows and wanting to come play with you now. Well, did you see us on Monday? We had 11 people out there, uh, half of them from Battle Creek area. Oh, was that Monday or is that Sunday? Uh, I think that was Monday. We did that one. <laughs> oh, you did one Monday? Because I was ready to go. I was able to go diving on Monday, and I looked, and there was nobody posting or anything. So, oh, yeah, Monday was a big one. Oh, darn it. Everybody showed up for that one. Oh, it's I was ready. I, my, my wife's like, why aren't you diving? I'm like, wow, there's nobody ain't going out. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I've, I've, got to, I've got to get my gear back together. I've, I mean, I, I haven't got wet since you know just got back from straights, and um, my stuff's all configured for double still. And I, I've got to get, you know, get my gear ready. Matt, can you plan on diving tomorrow? Are we, are we doing the, uh, the scanning tomorrow? I have not looked. I was going to find out because I know you've been hither and yon, so I didn't know what was on your schedule for tomorrow. But we'll talk looks, after the pod if you like. Yeah, weather looks good. I'm, I'm game if you are. So. so far, I'm game, but I have to check with the boss. All okay. right. Well, let's go ahead and uh, jump right on into the news. We have quite a full chat room tonight. We had Vanessa showed up for a while, Northern Northeast Illinois, Flyboy Ned, uh, then some of our normals like uh, Scuba Tech is in there as well. Uh, if you think this show is at least worth a dollar, jump on over to Patreon. Give us a little bit of donation, and I'm going to be adding some bottles. I was planning on doing it tonight, but it'll probably be tomorrow. But I've got some soda bottles that will go up, and that will be a different donation amount. That will be there's a $25 Patreon value for those. $5 a month donation will is one of the paths that will get you to that amount. Head on over to Patreon, and uh, you can get there by following the links from the Scuba Obsessed website. First article up is Scuba Divers Adrift at Sea Off the Coast of Columbia. Looks like they are drifting for a little bit of time. They spent 48 hours adrift. Uh, said they saw some sharks. Let's see. I'm going to mispronounce these names, but you're, you're accustomed to that by now. George Morales and Dario Rodriguez were part of a group of five recreational divers near the Colombian island of uh, Malepo last Wednesday when the current swept them out into the open Pacific. The Colombian pair huddled together. And I'm trying to figure out why this is a survival tactic. They urinated on each other. I, I, I guess they said it was to stay warm until rescuers on the plane spotted them who called the boat to scoop them out of the water. Uh, no news on the other divers who haven't been found. Uh, Mr. Morales said the first nightfall was one of the hardest moments, but he said he made it realize that he had to stick out for their survival training, trying themselves, uh, tying themselves together with special cords to avoid being separated and floating in a fetal position. Soon after being separated by the rest of the group, the sharks began circling them, as well as jellyfish, which turned out to be worse. They attacked them. What pain, very intense. I don't know how many jellyfish there were, but it was a very tough moment. He said the second day they were delirious and shivering with cold as the sun burned their face with heads bobbing just above the water. Thinking about the families is what kept them going. Sounds miserable. Did they have a wetsuit on? Didn't say. Um, yeah, that didn't sounds like I mean, if the jellyfish stung them, he had a wetsuit. That should have not been a big deal. That's correct. Well, yeah, but they still kind of got stung on their faces and things. Though I mean, um, you know, jellyfish can be pretty small and quite invasive. I understand. I mean, they, I'm willing to bet that. I was going to say that picture of the hammerheads there. I'm mm-hmm. willing to bet you a dollar to donut 
that's a little bit of political, uh, what is it, writer's license. I don't think that many hammerheads were circling them. <laughs> well, they, they did say they picked up the fifth diver, fifth member of the group, uh, Australian Peter Morse, was rescued last Thursday. So he was found actually before these two, and then, but the other two uh, have not been. Did it say why? This sounded like the current, that they just, uh, current, uh, let's see, looking through the article. And these articles will be posted on our website. Uh, those who donated $3 or more to Patreon got them early. Uh, yeah, the article doesn't really say too much about, you know, just, just more than the current took them out. You know, um, clearly they weren't prepared for it. And it sounds like they got quite well separated because you have you know, two guys were picked up. There are it sounds like a guy and a gal are still missing, and then the fifth person was picked up earlier. So strong enough current to break them up too. Well, and then were they diving off a boat? Was it a shore dive? It's not real clear. They don't talk I know, about. I'm just curious. Drift dive maybe. Which you could well, do that if you did a drift dive where you it was a shore dive and you went along the coast and thought you'd be able to swim in, and the current got away from you. Well, they're talking about this is an area where people like to go and swim with the hammerheads. And so I'm just throwing this out there. Maybe you guys can better me on it, but I'm guessing they go to a, to a reef offshore where they know the hammer the hammerheads hang out and, uh, you know, put the divers in at that point. And I guess the current was, I'm speculating here, of course, you know, probably must have had a stronger current out there off that reef than they had anticipated and just, you know, blew them out. Yeah, it could be because it, generally if it's, you know, with a charter, they always say, well, they looked for them for hours or something, mm-hmm. and there's no reference. So, yeah, they had 120. Find the other two. Yeah, they said they had 120 people out searching. So they either had a dive plan or they were on a boat that had notified. And the Navy boat was dispatched to rescue them. Well, okay, there's a talking about. Searching uh, near an island 320 miles off Columbia's coast. So, yeah, this must have been a boat dive if they're looking that large of a search area. So, You'd think so. I can't imagine they're looking that far offshore if it was a shore dive. So, yeah, it, it, this, this must have been a, been a boat dive off, you know, off to a reef where the sharks hang out and more current than they anticipated, and off they went. Well, this next article, and I think this one's out of the United Arab Emirate, but it's not real clear. It is five reasons why scuba diving is good for you. And uh, let's see if we agree with the reasons they provide. First one is burning calories. Uh, well, are we doing the, the, the agree or not at this point? We're doing that until later. No, go ahead. We'll, we'll do each item one at a time. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I would think one of the ideas when we're diving is not to burn calories. <laughs> we're supposed to keep it pretty, you know, keep the activity level low. And they're talking about 600 calories an hour. About going for a run. Well, you know, if you're a good diver, you're not burning you're not burning the same kind of calories as you were if you're running. So, um, the the probably the part that would be dependent is I have heard that ice diving you burn a little bit more calories than you do in a in a nice tropical dive. But you, again, you shouldn't be burning as much as you would running. Uh, now hauling gear up and down to the site, you know, I'm I'm sure I could burn as much or more than running. Oh yeah, that part really? of the I was going to say, it gives me a cardiac workout. <laughs> and then we have relieve stress. They said once you've learned to relax in the water and are comfortable and confident with what you're doing, scuba diving can be great for stress relief. <clears throat> Absolutely. Mac, you agree with that? Well, back on the burn calories, they say low impact, not just the calories. I, mm-hmm. I agree with the, with the low impact because once you're in the water and not hauling the gear back and forth, 
mm-hmm. it really is good for the joint. Yeah, yeah. Relatively speaking, you're not doing any motions that are really torquing on anything. So, uh, well, look look at our buddy Kirk. I mean, he started off this season, you know, hardly able to walk, but he's been getting that physical therapy for his knees are in pretty bad shape. But he he dives like crazy. You know, he yep. he loves getting in the water. So I I always feel better in the water. And on the relieving stress, I absolutely agree. That's the probably the most peaceful I get. I would love to have some sort of measurement device just to see. I, I believe that my blood pressure and pulse and everything goes down. There are some caveats to that. If you're on a brand-new dive you've never made, a deep dive, mm-hmm. wreck dive, ice dive, your stress level is not there. It, I mean, it's way up there. Right. Well, and, Other and, than that. Like river diving today, that's wonderful. Well, I do get a little bit of elevated stress. For some reason, the, when I drop into the water, like especially at a boat dive, that first bobbing around on the surface trying to get everything all organized, keeping track of everybody, it always seems that until I hit the anchor line and I start to go down, uh, that can be a little stressful. But overall, it's relaxing. Yeah, and I, I think they qualify it well, too, because, you know, it, it is it is more stress relieving as you become a better diver you know for a new diver then yeah you're down there and you're thinking so much about about your buoyancy and your breathing and you know monitoring your your, your air but uh, as you a lot of it becomes more and more second nature that's one thing i really do love about it you know you can have a really rough day at work and you get out there and it's just you in the water you and your buddy you know every everything on the surface just kind of goes away when you're down there yeah that's one thing i love about it and the next item they have is getting closer to nature, which I think so. I don't think we see it as much as maybe you do on a nice tropical reef. But, you know, that occasional burbot or uh, bass might be getting close. And then, Matt, you guys sound like uh, you're really close to nature with the leeches. <laughs> yeah, they were really attached to us. <laughs> kind of a symbiotic relationship. Then. I suppose. But here lately, we've been having a lot of trout, bass, uh, we had a lot of turtles today and a huge sucker. Oh, really? Nice. Oh, yeah. Very big. Uh, there, there's quite a few there in the river. And then they have catch some raids, which I guess if you're into uh, some locations, you get out in the sun and you can get a little bit of that. Just be careful if you're in some of the bright climates that you have uh, something to protect your head and face and use some reef-safe sunscreen. And then also, this is probably my favorite point, which is broaden your social circle. A uh, huge uh, part of diving is the social side. Yeah, going yeah. out to, to the place afterwards and get something to eat and then talk about the dive. Well, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, a lot it's, of fun. It's, not, it's not just about, about the, the, you know, the time underwater. It's about the people you dive with and people you meet. And Yeah, the social aspect of diving is huge. So a good article. So hopefully this article gets to people who haven't thought about diving, see some of the advantages, and decide to give it a try. And then we have an artist, Doug Atkin. Underwater pavilion. Yep, he said he's done to install an underwater pavilion this fall. Uh, It's called Doug Atkin Electric Earth at the MOCA Jeff and Contemporary in downtown LA. But the multimedia artist has announced yet another project, one that will submerge his work in the ocean. It's called Doug Atkin Underwater Pavilions, a large-scale installation consisting of three underwater sculptures that float off the coast of Santa Catalina Island. Santa Catalina Island, suspended about 5, 10, and 50 feet below the surface. The geometric reflective pieces are interactive in the sense that water-savvy art goers will be able to swim 
inside and through them. The installation presented in partnership with the Museum of Contemporary Art is being produced by Parlay for the Oceans, a New York-based ocean conser- conservation advocacy group. The sculptures are made of an ad that pops up in front of your face. Get back to where I was. The sculptures are made from environmentally friendly materials. The museum said the pieces are mirrored surfaces in certain places so that the snorkelers and scuba divers whirl, twirl, and glide through them. Artwork will reflect their underwater surroundings. Over 70% of the surface of the earth is ocean and seascapes offering unique opportunity to create works that constantly shift, change, and evolve through the tide and the sun. And they go on and on and on. But that, uh, it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. I just kind of wonder, since you're being encouraged to go inside these things, I hope people are basically penetrating, you know, doing a penetration dive. They've got proper training and are aware of the risks of it there. I don't know how big they are. I mean, is this kind of like going through, uh, well, we do the same thing in the quarries. You know, if you go to Gilboa, you know, they got a bus and a plane. Yeah. You know, you're probably, you know, it's there for training, but you know that people going through there haven't been, haven't had any significant training in it. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing that they've also tried to make sure there are a few snag hazards because that's really your biggest risk uh, with an inexperienced diver. This looks like you can, you know, if it's only 10 or 15 feet and you can see all the way through, you should be fine. Hopefully. Just kind of with all those reflective surfaces in there, it could <laughs> kind of... Like a house, whole... of, house of Mirrors? You just... Yeah, I'm just going to the same thing. It'd be a whole new facet to a House of Mirrors, you know, so... Yeah, well, you know, we have the art objects design that you can swim through and survive, and then you have those meant to trap divers and harvest their gear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're trying to get you're trying to get out of the house of mirrors as you're watching your, your <laughs> yes. air go down. You know, I mean that's flypaper for divers. <laughs> well, would that be a bunch of bottles in the bottom of a river? Well, that would work. That track them down there. We have the Mary Rose shipwreck skulls go online in 3D. Skulls and other artifacts from the 1545 wreck of the Henry VIII's warship Mary Rose are being exhibited online in 3D reconstruction. Researchers from the Swansea University unveiled the scans to coincide with the British Science Festival taking place in the Welsh city this week. Some of the virtual objects are public while others are for research purposes. The idea is to see how much can be learned about the lives of the ship crew just from these digitized bones. Richard Johnston, a material engineer at Swansea, said the project would test the scientific value of digital archaeology and the world's burgeoning collection of cyber artifacts. Lots of museums are digitizing collections, and a lot of dives drive behind that is creating a digital copy of something. We're going to challenge our search community to see if they can actually do ostological analysis. Must be because it's bones, so they're talking about the density of the bones. We'd like to take the results for Ronderold and try and compare to those of the study that we did where people look through the real remains. Sent you a link on that. Mm-hmm. It has a sample of the different pictures of the different items that you can see in 3D. It's called the 3D Mary Rose Models. Okay. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, is it just, is it just me or, uh, I don't know, there's kind of always been this credo amongst divers that, you know, you don't photograph the dead. You don't um, show off the bone. You know, I mean, uh, might be something you talk about. There's something there. There's, you just saw a bone or something down there. But you know, this is quite close to. You know, this is photographing the dead. You know, and just putting them on display. You know, I know that uh, you know the American Indians got pretty upset about a lot of their you know death artifacts being displayed in museums. I mean, how is this different? I mean, I, I don't know. It, I, is it the I, amount I, of the amount of time? 
I mean, me, I personally don't have a problem. I mean, you could do it, you know, a week after I'm gone for what I care. But I can see where some people may not like it. Uh, it has seemed to be anything over 200 years seems to be fair game. And I don't know if that's because there's no relatives around who seem to care. Well, I don't know. It's just kind of my understanding kind of been a, a taboo. I mean, yeah, granted, you know, for information, <clears throat> people do have the right to do it, okay? But it's just been something in the dive community kind of frowned upon, um, you know, you know, photographing the dead, and here they're going out, they're taking to the next level, and you know, doing a a 3D image of the dead and sharing that around. Yeah. And I don't know. I personally, you know, I, I think I could see doing it for scientific reasons and just basically passing the uh, images amongst the different, um, you know, professors and scholars who are going to try to uh, extrapolate from the bones a little bit more about the people that you know that they used to be attached to, but. I don't know, putting them on display in the public and all. I don't know. That's just, personally, I, 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 I find that a little distasteful. You know, it's a, it's a very interesting topic, but, you know, am, am, I, am I wrong in that, Mac? I mean, uh, you've been they, they, over, they overstressed this because the majority of the items are not bones. It's artifacts. It's yeah. the knife oh, handle, it? carved wooden panel, uh, flat knife handle, Mary Rose rigging. So the bones was very minor in this aspect. And bones wouldn't tell you much about the culture of the people. Because bones is bones. Everybody looks alike. It's the artifacts that are different and are culturally different. Yeah. Well, what, okay. what are, just, the, 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 just the title of the article, you know, talking about shipwrecked skulls, you know, that really gave me the impression that it, that it was all about all about the bones. So, but yeah, the skulls are just a small portion of it. But still, personally, I would think that you know they shouldn't really be on public display. But you know, hey, I'm I'm just a little guy here. Yeah. Well, did, talking about that aspect, remember at the Museum of Science and Industry. When they had the cadavers, they freeze them and then they cut them in slices of one yes. inch thick. And then yep. they have all of those on display. Yep. Then they have the one in Europe that was made from cadavers in artistic scenery. Yeah, he would inject the uh, the different uh, you know polymers into them and then pull them out. So you'd have one that was an exploded view of the tendons or the nerve system or the blood vessels. Yeah, but you know, in, in that situation with cadavers, you know, people have people have sold their bodies to science. You know, there's not a lot of you know dignity afforded to them at that point. They know they're going to be, you know, they're not really expected to be, be treated, you know, right. privately after they've sold their bodies to science. You know, here we're talking about sailors and soldiers. You know, men and possibly some women who were out, you know, fighting for their country at that point, and now they're on public display. And, you know, I mean, it, it, it is a war grave, what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. Um, well, have you been to the catacombs? Well, I mean, I, that's rhetorical. In the catacombs in France, when you go in there, you're talking thousands upon thousands. That is a tourist attraction. Yeah, there's been through throughout time we've had different, I mean, there's a, a couple churches that are made of human remains. Yeah, I, I you know, I'm sure that I know human remains have been put on display quite a bit. I'm just saying, hasn't there kind of been a credo amongst divers that we just don't photograph the dead? I mean, it's always been, I was told that, you know, if you do see a body down there, that uh, this is not something that you want to put on display. It's a know? state law. Yeah. So. And that's recent law, too. It's not an old law. Oh, it's a recent law that you cannot photograph? Well, not, it's a recent, not like in two or three years, but they did change that about taking photographs of those who have perished and that you find the remains in the water. Oh, okay. 
And so, you know, they're not doing photographs. They're doing uh, a 3D image here, you know, mm-hmm. which uh, is a little bit more invasive, my, in my humble opinion, but... That's just that's just me. So. Well, what what I like about this other you know let's separate the the skull from everything else is that there was a a movement going on where museums were taking objects that they had and they were claiming all rights to. It. So you know you you we've all been to those exhibits. You know if you've gone to a famous museum exhibit like King Tut, they wouldn't let you take any photos. You know I think uh, the Titanic exhibit was another one where they weren't because they were trying to monetize. Uh, the selling of the the photo books and the information uh, you had recently in uh, oh, where was that? Uh, I think it was in Berlin where they had the Nefertiti mask, and there were actually uh, people who had gone in with cameras and took pictures all the way around, and they did a 3D master of it. And the museum was not too pleased with that, but they released it. Now it's available to everybody, so it's now accessible. So instead of having an entry fee to go and look at the object and you can take that 3D scan and, and print it. You know, with a 3D printer, you can make a copy of it and have your own copy you can look at. So uh, that's what I like about this is that they're doing it right from the beginning. They're, they're probably using some form of government funds to collect and preserve and archive this. So why not make them accessible in a way that even people who can't get there can, can utilize them? What, what they also did, I was looking at another section on this, is they took the skull of what they understand as the carpenter, and they use facial facial reconstruction like they do nowadays mm-hmm. to show you what that person would have looked like. And it's interesting that, you know, you don't really have a feel for somebody from 400 years ago, but when you start looking at the facial reconstructions, it's like they just look just like you. Yes. You know, they're, they're normal people. And it's interesting to look, to look at the, that aspect. So the, the yeah. skull is a small part. Normal people that led pretty hard lives, though. They're talking about this guy being in his mid-30s and already having a significant arthritis and dental issues, you know, in his mid-30s even. So yeah. definitely a hard life. How it's found, just some background about it. Well, in Alice, or it's a juvenile, I'm credibly. I had to hunt it down, huh? So that's that's a nice item there. And then we have a Nazi shipwreck explored off the U.S. coast. He's a dire professional to explain. Have we figured out where that noise is coming from? Because I can't figure if it's mine or not. I think it's got to be yours. It's not on this end. Yeah, because I clicked on the the Nazi shipwreck. And uh, so if you've got noise, it's coming from my copy. No. Okay, I found it. I hate it when you go into a site and it automatically starts playing and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's a it's a new technique. I I was just having discussions earlier today about this. Well, you know, we were just talking about skulls and stuff. Well, this one here has forty five soldier bodies likely tombed inside, entombed inside. But they were the enemy. Well, that's fine. We can exploit them, though. can't we? <laughs> soldiers are soldiers. They were doing what they believe was their duty. Oh wow! Now now we're in the political season because didn't didn't you see that if the soldiers are from uh, organizations that the current political movement doesn't like, then they don't count. Where are you saying that? <laughs> that was, just... No, no, that was no. I was thinking the ones. I was thinking the uh, where there's the big movement to uh, because if we had the civil war here in the U.S., so you had the North and the South. When the war was over, the government said war veterans from the South are the same as the North. You're a veteran. You are honored. You know, respected. And now we're going back as recently as this year, and they're digging up uh, Confederate tombs and moving them because they're not politically acceptable because somebody may fly a Confederate flag. 
Right. Statues and items like this down in Carolina. Yeah. yeah. So that, so, you know, the people who died at the hands of them were okay with giving it back. But now today we've decided that they're so bad that they need, that any reference needs to be wiped off the face of the internet and, and society. So we're just, we just be hypocritical sometimes on some of these items. It kind of gets me worked up and sidetracked. <laughs> <laughs> but this eerie Nazi shipwreck discovered with bodies. And, and you know, this is a uh, title bait. You know, it could say a German wrecker vessel. Uh, I, I, they got some nice video. This is from NOAA. Uh, the footage is from a, a vessel that's off the coast of the U.S. A second U-boat, a German U-boat was discovered at the bottom of the ocean uh, more than 70 years after it was destroyed in the Battle of the Atlantic during the Second World War. They have a video clip that shows the submarine being exploited for the very exploited, explored for the very first time. They're expecting that there's at least 45 uh, German soldier bodies entombed. The U-576 crashed in the bottom of the sea after months of sinking U.S. merchant ships and Allied naval vessels along the American coastline. Its military campaign came to an end on July 15, 1942, after it fired at the USS or the U, uh, it fired at the SS Bluefield. 35 miles off the coast of North Carolina. The battle that ensured the resulting of the sinking of both ships, two vessels, had been lost the bottom of the sea until the discovery in 2014, just 200 yards apart. So that must be the Bluefield and the U-576 uh, is what they're saying is the distance? Yeah, they're saying that they're both down there. So that there was no, there were other ships involved, weren't there? Was that reading that? It was just those two boats. Yeah, it's, it's hard to tell. They, they they kind of mix it up the story a couple times in here. Yeah, well, they're saying the battle. Of the, go ahead, go ahead. Well, they're saying the battle of the Atlantic in Second World War. I mean, I, it's kind I'm of a broad. <laughs> not real fresh in my World War II history, but I'm thinking that involved more than just these two boats. Yeah, I, I think you're correct. I, I'm sure there were more involved. At least one more because uh, somebody survived. But some some nice video, and it's worth taking a look at. Well, you figure that boat 700 feet down. And the pictures were taken by two-person submersibles. Oh, so these, these weren't uh, ROVs. These were actually submersibles. Yeah, right. Oh, well, that's got to be fun. And I was curious. It said SS Bluefield. I thought that was a sub, but it's not. It's a Nicaraguan freighter. Freighter or a? it wasn't a fighting ship? Now, according saying? to this, I'm looking at it. It said the victim, Nicaraguan freighter Bluefield. The crew of the freighter survived. What I'm guessing is that this this is at a point in the war when we had convoys. You know, you'd have the patrols of, you'd have a couple escort ships and then some merchant mm-hmm. ships mixed in. Liberty boats out there. Yeah. So you've got the submarine who is uh, harvesting some of those vessels and happened to uh, be able to get one before he was taken out. Well, that. Yeah. yeah it's definitely a merchant vessel because it's, it's SS Bluefield instead of. Yeah, it's not a, not a military vessel. I, I kept right. wanting to say USS, but you're right, it is SS. And then here we have some potentially cool scuba gear. The first one, if you, I don't know if you watched, because it's part of my occupation. I It was almost required. Apple released, they had their conference call where they talk about some of their new products. One of them up was the Apple Watch Series 2. And along with a variety of uh, enhancements, the one that's most notable to scuba divers is that it is now considered to be water resistant. I mean, beyond water resistant, which is what the first one was. This one is actually has a 50 meter rating under the ISO standard. Uh, the purpose is for swimming, so it will track your laps and you know exercise that you're doing in the water. 
it also has some mechanics they they talked about on the video if you watch it they had uh you know they they said they were able to waterproof most of the device but the one part that is the most difficult is actually where the speaker is so they said one of the improvements is once the watch gets out of water it will actually eject the water from the speaker by uh moving it through sound now they the, i've i noticed that there's a lot of people advocating that even though it has a rating of 50 meters, they're saying it's not intended to be used for scuba diving. And I I kind of want to call BS on them because I, I understand that it might not be aimed at scuba diving, meaning that when you're at 40 meters, you can't press the button uh, or use some of the functions that they haven't designed it for that. But I think what they're doing is they're trying to indicate to us that it may leak and they don't want divers to take it down that deep. So they're saying it's really intended for shallow. Uh, and oh, it, go ahead. If it's good for 50 meters, I mean, the 50 meters has got pressure on it there. So if it really is good for 50 meters, I'm looking forward to playing with it at my next deco stop. Come on, what's up with that? Yeah, well, I, I the one of the indications was is that for the rating that they wanted to get, where they wanted to be able to claim that it was waterproof as opposed to just water resistant, that this was the ISO standard that they had to meet, which is 22810 colon 2010, uh, and that requires a rating of 50 meters. So that they're kind of indicating that there isn't a 25-meter rating, so we had to go to the 50-meter rating. But if it's 50 meters, it's 50 meters. You know, exactly. Uh, I think the reason they're doing this is because they know that this it's not going to hold up. And I have bought many watches at your local big box retailer, and one of my requirements is that they have the waterproof on 50 meters. And I have wrecked every single one of them by swimming in less than 10 feet. You know, I'm, I've got one right now because actually, sad to say, I, I lost my good watch mm-hmm. on the um, on the Vienna last week. Uh-oh. So I'm uh, I'm actually using my old standby watch, which is a $15 knockoff that I picked up at Walmart. Yep. And I have had this baby down to 130, and it says 100 meters on it. I can, I'm not going to verify 100 meters, but I'll say it's good for 30 meters, 40 mm-hmm. meters. <laughs> so... Yeah, I I have yet to have one, and I'm not. I'm just talking cheap. Dot, you know, the watches, like you said, the ten dollar, fifteen dollar watches. Oh, you bastards! And I'm probably not muting that out. Damn websites, ready to kill them. Which one you're talking about this time? Oh, the, this one was uh, on CNET. You know, here we are giving. Oh, the waterproof Wi-Fi. I had to switch ones to find that again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, 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 some of these links can be sneaky, too. It, it's it's all about bait. And that was, again, what I was talking about earlier today. This is a sign we're going through a transition because this is not sustainable from a, a marketing standpoint. But the Apple Watch, so uh, it'll be interesting. I, I, I want to see how well it does. It's still way, way too expensive, and it requires that you have an Apple ecosystem. While I do have, you know, an Apple laptop, an Apple iPad, I don't have an Apple cell phone. So that right there prevents me from using it. And even if I was so desired or moved towards it, I would not be able to utilize it. So sorry. Uh, on the CNET article, they talk about a budget waterproof Wi-Fi action camera. So if you decide that a GoPro is too expensive, which in the article they kind of indicate that many think that the GoPro is super expensive. I don't think it's too expensive. It's more than I want to pay, which is why I don't have one. Um, You're talking $300 for the smallest or the minimal. Yeah, yeah. which the the thing that they've got to watch out for, because you know that they could sell them for less, is that they're creating this market 
and they're letting everybody open own the bottom end of it, creating their own competition. Uh, and what the, here's one where it's a 1080p waterproof Wi-Fi action camera. And if you do all the games of getting the discounts and deals that this article talks about, they're saying that you can get it for forty four ninety eight. I spent seventy dollars for that Intiva uh, camera about five six years ago, and all that did was take stills, and it really wasn't super high resolution either. So here you have a HD action camera that you can use underwater, complete with housing gear. And they said that they've copied GoPro so closely that most of the GoPro accessories will work on camera. Do you know what it comes with? They're saying, let's see. I'm looking at the list. I'm on a site now that's selling it. Uh-huh. It comes with a camera, waterproof case, case clip, multifunction clip, bicycle mount, camera clip, helmet mount, three belts, microfiber wipes for the front, 3M stickers, USB cable, user's manual, and two lithium-ion batteries. The only thing it doesn't come with is a micro SD card. That's a lot of goodies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Go buy the attachment kit, and that's 30 bucks for GoPro. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, a good freaking deal. And that is if you can get it. And uh, so let's – and they're, they're talking about a $13 discount, according to this article. So let's add $13 onto this. You're now at $59. That's still a pretty – you know, $60 for an underwater action camera. Oh, yeah. And I think that this would be – this would be something where – you could do some interesting things underwater. I would like to have, say say we were doing a river dive, wouldn't it be nice if everybody had two GoPros mounted on them? Because I, I keep thinking of what kind of products can we make with video where you'd be able to shoot something. And if you can get this much video, you can cut and piece something together and maybe make something interesting that people want to watch. Yeah, but this is kind of odd because generally, I, I, I use CNET quite a bit for like uh, researching cameras. Mm-hmm. And usually don't have a chart with all the specs on it. I'm trying to figure out what size the sensor is on this camera here. That, that's something I'll look at for, for cameras is the size of the sensor because that tells you how much how well it's going to do in, in low light. Oh well, and they and they've pretty much said you know if you're you know if you're comparing this to other ones, it's like it's uh, that's all it says. It says as for the camera itself, it can capture 1080p video at 30 frames per second, 720p video at 60 frames per second. Uh, they said, will it produce the same video quality as a GoPro? Of course not. Will it get reasonably close? Yep. <laughs> so they're acknowledging it's not the same quality of sensor. So if you're trying to shoot video, then you want it to be the best quality, then you probably need something else. But Well, it, well even though, I mean, the, 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 those, those are good speeds and good, and good resolutions that they're, they're talking about. I'm just wondering about the size of the sensor because, you know, that, that tells you how well it does in low light, you know, and with mm-hmm. us, you know, diving, especially in, in fresh water, you know, uh, we know how, how important the light is down there. Of course, you, you, can, you can bring lights with you and things, but it's always best if you can use what's, what's available. And yeah, like I say, usually the CNET articles will have a chart which will give a whole bunch of information on the cameras, the uh, all the all the f-stop information, all the you know the focal length, um, size, of the aperture, all that stuff is usually on the Cena articles. I'm not seeing that on this one here, so I'm gonna. Yeah, th- this one's not a review per se. It's not their typical review article. This is a a column of a guy known as a cheapskate, and he he pretty much does this. And I, and I think what this is is what what people have to realize when you're looking at articles on the internet. A certain percent of them are paid for, and this is a reimbursed article. Uh-huh. Uh, this is an article by the Amazon retailer who is selling this product. Yeah, here we go. It's, 
It's an ad. Okay, I got you. I got yeah, you. So it, it's an ad. Uh, this is a columnist. He he looks and he goes, yeah, this is stuff that my uh, viewers would like, and so that's what he's doing. And and the giveaway is the fact that there's the promo code because he's getting a kickback for that code being you, or he's getting some other incentive of advertisement or something else that is driven by this. So it's not out of the goodness of his heart that he is doing this. And if you look in there, you know, because it's, it's not a real formal thing. And in fact, we could do the same thing on the show right now. I can go, there are websites out there uh, that have affiliate links. So I could go there and I could right now be pitching you, you know, the best shave I've ever had is the Harry's razor commercial, which I have never used a Harry's razor. Uh, but you, you do that, you get a promo code and then you get a kickback of some of the funds that are, are driven by so uh, that that's what they're doing uh, i'm 99 percent sure that this is how this is working i sent you another link on skype for a different perspective of that oh the wire and frost yeah dot com i was also looking at reviews insider there's mm-hmm. several variations of that db power camera mm-hmm. they're talking about and there's a whole setup in here yeah so this one's talking about the db power ex 5000 Price tag about sixty bucks, so that sounds similar. Yeah, that's the same. That's the same model number there. So yeah, you know, I'm, I'm looking at it on Amazon right now. Yeah, um, uh, that, it's a. I will say it's got a huge lens on it. I mean, it's a 170 degree wide angle lens. That's the biggest one I've come across so far. A, a GoPro has got like a 140 on it. I want to say so. You know, that's a nice. You know, one issue we have with shooting in fresh water of course is you know the visibility tends to be mediocre at best and that wide angle lens gives you a whole lot more you know of your subject you know so you know you you, you know that you're not just simply looking at you know the flukes of an anchor there's, there's an entire boat behind those flukes of the anchor too and that's that, that's that's a nice lens <laughs> it's probably going to have a lot of distortion to it but that's a nice lens yeah um well, I really so, wish I could find a Go ahead. Sorry. I, I was going to say that uh, other cameras I've looked at, and I don't know if we've talked about in the program, is uh, there's a new class of camera coming out, which is an action camera, but it's for 360. And what you're starting to see is uh, the the camera will come in a housing. The housing is waterproof, and it's got a front camera and a re- rear camera, and it has software to stitch that together so you can do the 360 videos, which both YouTube and Facebook are now accepting. And I think that's an interesting item that we will start to see more of. And I think that's valuable for some of the, the you know, uh, I know Jim has done his, his flyover videos. Wouldn't it be great to have a flyover video that's 360? So you can take a look you know, as he traverses down the wreck. You could see all the way around. Yeah. yeah. I cannot find that central size anywhere. No, this one they say they say what type it is. What what, what a, type is it? What are you what are you finding? It's a 14 megapixel Panasonic CMOS sensor. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. think if you go and look up the sensors for Panasonic, it's going to be you know at that resolution and that type. There's probably going to be three or four chipsets. You can assume yeah, it's probably the cheaper one. Yeah, I'm just trying to find a number like uh, something like a, like a one by one one point seven, one by two point three, one by two point three three. Um, those are the common sensor sizes you find in the uh, smaller cameras, and that gives you a, an idea as to what the uh, light sensitivity is. I know the uh, sensor size in your, your uh, GoPro is a uh, one by two point three, 
And, you know, they're able to, with the software and enhancements and all, actually do some decent low-light you know, imagery with those, with those. But then you go to the next one down, which, oddly enough, as the second number gets larger, the sensor gets smaller. Um, the one by 2.33 is, uh, I have that in another camera, which does very poorly in uh, low light and, and it's just it's just you know a fraction smaller but that sensor size is your main factor with how well the camera's going to perform in, in in the low light so there's one of one of the cameras i use has um, a large enough uh, sensor on it that more often than not when i take pictures with it it, the stuff, it looks very washed out because even in low light down there it picks up so much light and i have to knock the light down but once i knock the light down everything pops out right there so yeah for our for our freshwater stuff, a little tip there, guys. Um, bigger sensor, the better. There are only two so. ways to recognize the iPhones. <laughs> yeah, you can recognize the iPhone. Uh, and then this last one on potentially cool scuba gear is a new Kickstarter project, and this is out of Grand Rapids, Michigan, particular Kickstarter. Uh, this is the Fathom One. They call it a drone, but does it? It's tethered. Tethered, yes. So that that's where I, I kind of get confused with you've got drone, ROV, I mean, is it, wouldn't this be an ROV since it's got a tether? Autonomous with or without the cable. This one has the cable. Yeah, so what this is, is this the Fathom One, uh, and it, where the open ROV, you know, kind of looks, uh, it's a little bit different type of device. That one has quite a few attachments. This one, they've tried to slim it down, and what they're really trying to do is for about the half price, half the price of the open ROV, they want to be able to get. Uh, an ROV that people could use. And this one is targeted at under $600. It had a, a Kickstarter goal of 150000 and with 20 days left to go, they're at 166000 So it has made its initial request, and at this point, uh, provided that they deliver it to anybody, anything you order you will get. So let's see what they, they've got now is you can have the uh, it's three ninety nine. They still have some available at that price. Oh, that that one's no longer available. Let's let's go down to the four ninety nine one. Uh, there's fifty seven left out of two hundred. And then once that one sells out, then they go to the five ninety nine one. And their estimated ship date is June twenty seventeen. Uh, I don't think they've got any that are going to be out before then. Uh, Darren, you know where I said it was tethered. Mm-hmm. It's a little different than I thought. What it does is it has a 100-foot line that tethers to a custom floating buoy. Yes. The buoy creates its own Wi-Fi network, so you have wireless piloting. Yes, yes, that, that's that's true. Right. Uh, now, I did they change the depth on this? I remember I seeing it. It was rated to 140 feet. I see here it says down to 100 feet from 100 feet away. Yeah, well, see, it, it used to say they must have edited it because when I first looked at it, it was down to like 150 feet, uh, but the tether was only 100 foot. Yeah. So that was a lot of people were saying, well, hey, you know, do you have a longer tether, longer tether? And they're saying, well, that's one of the first items that we will come up with. Oh, yeah. If you if you look down on the icons, maximum operating depth is 150 feet. So. Uh, and 100 foot of tether. And with 100 foot of tether. Yes, exactly. Uh, but they're 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 saying that they're coming out with a 200 foot tether. It's just that they haven't decided what that's going to cost or made it available yet. So they're just saying that the unit is waterproof down to 150 feet. Yeah, that's what they've tested it down but to. It's, but, but I like I like the the idea of having the buoy. I mean, the only issue that you could run into there is just the buoy getting blown around. Which, you know, if you made some sort of clip for the buoy to keep it from drifting too far away, you'd be fine. 
you know, I, I wonder also if the buoy has sufficient buoyancy. So if you lose power, will it sink or does the buoy hold it up? Uh, they, they, in, if there's a question and answer, and I think they talked about that and that the buoy, I think the object is supposed to, it's supposed to be, it's, a, it's either a little, it's either a little positive or a little negative, but I think the buoy can hold it up. So it can be used for recovery. But I, I just thought it was a nice size. And, and something like this I thought was also interesting. Again, I've been, I've been thinking about how do, how, what are some ways we can make underwater accessible? You could have surface ROV operators doing filming. So here you've got a camera that's being brought up. Uh, some things I hadn't quite figured out yet was some of the recording options for the video. Uh, it looked like they were still working on that. But interesting. I, I hope it works out well. $600 ROV that you could use. I mean, just, I think they'd have a pretty good market for it. And is the camera, like the camera's built in. So is the camera included? Yeah. Yeah. Every, everything was included. Uh, everything's modular, so you can take it uh, apart and together real easily. They're talking about having options for adding other attachments. Uh, if you go through the questions, there's people who want this thing to be much more than it is. Uh, but I think if you got creative and you wanted to really do some of your own engineering with it, you could do it. Cool toys. Yeah. Now, the, the Edgewater Automation, why does that sound familiar? Are they from around here? Um, I don't Google them. It's it's one of those things that the name comes up. It's like somebody I should know. It's almost like it's one of my customers. Uh, yeah, I'm getting a something in St. Joseph actually. Ah, that's why. Edgewater Automation got uh, two addresses to them, and uh, right there in St. Joe. Yep, that's why they 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 that's why they 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 may be maybe also something with my robotics projects. How do we run into them? Well, there, you can get it minus shipping now. You can go pick it up yourself. Yeah, just go walk right on over and say, hey, guys. Yeah. Maybe, like, there might be someone there at the plant that can, like, get, get you one piece at a time, like that Johnny Cash song, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, every day, just kind of bring out a, a part of the drone and we'll assemble it. It'd be a whole lot easier to put one of, one of those in your toolbox than the Cadillac, like he did, so. <laughs> there you go. So, hope, so hopefully they're successful with it. One thing you got to remember with Kickstarters, it's not just reaching the goal; it's being able to deliver on what you've promised. Well, yeah, but if they're that close, we we can get some input in the in the design of these <laughs> things. Here, we got to tell them, hey, look, guys, you know, yeah. uh, the hundred foot cable is cool, but you know, we want to go out to the hennepins. We got to get it down to two thirty. What, what what are we going to do about this? Come on, guys, here we go. <laughs> well, I I did message them, but they they never got back to me. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking I was a little too small of a fish for them to talk uh, about. It's not like I've got a podcast or anything with at least mm-hmm. six or seven listeners. So. <laughs> I think it's eight now. What do we got in the chat room now? So. <laughs> yeah. Well, that does it for Scuba News. Uh, if you want to follow along in this article, uh, visit our website, www.scubaobsessed.com. We'll have show notes. Usually we get the show notes published within a couple days of the audio going out, and we've been doing much better thanks to Jim Billings. So thank you, Jim, for taking care of that for us. Scuba Tech had a question there. Uh-huh. About the uh, about the drone, was it a is it a live feed with the camera? I presume he's talking about. Um, that was one of the things I think that they were working on was that it it was recording locally, but it wasn't quite a live feed. And I don't know what that means because you need to have some sort of feed to be able to pilot it. Yeah. So I yeah. don't. I I think what that might mean is that they were able to get the video up. It just wasn't. You weren't going to be able to get 1080p video up the cable and out the Wi-Fi. And uh, 
when you listen to some of the comments that they have on it, I think that was, uh, I think it was something they were hoping to overcome, but they they were being a little reluctant to uh, promise it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably probably pretty good delays, probably some good good lag if you want to have it at that resolution. Yeah, well, I think they're doing it at Wi-Fi. So you've got the proto the Wi-Fi protocol. You're sending all your 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 signals up and down for that. Uh, so yeah, they, they, I, I'm just thinking it's honestly they they haven't made it a priority, and it's not something that they've they've tried out yet. It's it's probably possible. So are you saying that you're going to have better real time if you're using it at lower resolution? Well, you you've got you're going to have a constraint. So wherever your weakest point of uh, least amount of bandwidth is able to handle, then that's what you're going to be able to get out. So uh, I'm going to assume that your Wi-Fi connection from the buoy to your device is going to be your your slowest point. Uh, and that's what you're using to control the uh, the drone. So you just have to look at it of, you know, let, let's say it's a fairly modern uh, using Wi-Fi protocol, you're going to have about 104 megabits per second. Is that a wide enough bandwidth? to get the signal out and uh, still control the robot. Plus, are you putting enough electronics on board? That ROV is actually battery-powered. You're not getting surface current. Uh, all, its, all its current is what it takes down the battery. You're just sending it a signal. Okay. Um, so I'm sure that uh, along with uh, being able to communicate, it's also the battery life that factors in. And, you know, an easy protocol is just to, you know, on these devices. And, and they, they say in here, let me see. No, I've already closed it. But a lot of times they're usually either using an Arduino or an XMPy or some sort of device like that. And those natively can talk real efficiently to an SD card. But if you're going to do something else, then you have to add that and it can bloat. So I think it's possible. I think it's also hackable. I think you could take this device, hack it, and say, hey, that's what I want to do. And if you really are so motivated, you could do that. Uh, you could probably even double up on some uh, signals. You know, add another, you know, Run up that cable, run the signal up the cable, and then run it through another access point. You're you're starting to see that in homes now, where homes are starting to stream different qualities of video. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're even seeing computers. I think uh, there's some monitors now that the monitor itself is wireless, and will talk to a laptop. So we're we're getting close to it. All right, cool toys. Put put me down for two. Yeah, there you go. Well, they do have a two kit. Let's see. right link. So yeah, you can get the uh, the buddy set, two fathom drones for a thousand ninety nine, or you can get the swarm, which is five for twenty four ninety nine, and you can definitely tell that's Michigan water. So let's go ahead and talk about some diving. Who uh, now, Kevin? You went up north, so uh-huh. you've, you've you've got a couple weeks worth of diving. You want to share us some of your experiences? Well, um, okay. Yeah, the uh, Mud Club had our annual trip to the Straits. Um, not really a set time frame for that, but we did it the week before Labor Day. Um, I think I counted nine dives I got in up there. Um, you know, I dove every day, and we had some great, you know, great conditions. Uh, we did find that uh, Straits is really a place where if you want to dive, you really should plan your dives for early, early in the day. Almost every day, it, it, it tended to pick up and get kind of nasty afternoon. Um, you know, and, you know, we're kind of spoiled down here. Uh, you know, we have quite a bit of weather forecasting ability, you know, um, just between, you can look up, you know, the apps on your phone will tell you pretty accurate what's going to go on. And plus the, you know, of course, NOAA 
has it broken down pretty pretty thoroughly. But up there, um, I was finding that even the NOAA sites sometimes were not updated for, for like three days. <laughs> and it's really a challenge to get accurate forecast up there, even for tomorrow. Um, but even so, we still got in some great diving. Um, I, I see you've posted some of the pictures of what we, we had up there. Um, we, we managed to get two dives in on the Eber Ward. Um, you know, second day we had 50-foot visibility on it. Uh, I think the first day we had about 30. Um, you know, wind was very fable for, fable for Lake Michigan this time around. We managed to get to uh, the Sandusky as well. Um, sounds like the crew got up to Sandusky and the Maitland on the last day up there. I haven't seen pictures of their trip yet, but I thought they had a great time. Um, we did the usual wrecks of, uh, you know, Cedarville, um, St. Andrew. Uh, we didn't get to Barnum this year. Oh, I don't know. Um, we took a day trip up to the up to um, Whitefish Point. Actually, we actually we did overnight up there. Um, we planned on doing the Vienna the first day. We're sure on the second day, but the uh, you know, mother nature of the plans for us. Uh, the forecast was for less than one footers, and we get up there, and it's close to four footers there on White on Whitefish Bay. So we ended up going over to uh, Munising which we know is kind of protected behind Grand Island. We made a couple of dives over there. We did a dive on the um, the Smith Moor, which um, is listed as a barge, but it's actually it actually is a ship. Um, I, it's a, it's some kind of a legal terminology thing. I can't I don't know the exact specifics of it there. Um, something for insurance purposes that they would consider call it a barge, even though it had propulsion and a rudder, and it was, you know, totally could be completely autonomous if, it won, if, if, if they so, so chose to be. Um, Smithmore's a great dive. Uh, if it gets a chance to get up there. Um, ship is very much intact. Um, I believe it has a standing mast on it yet. I do know that the majority of even the rail is still there. It has a very ornate rail that goes all around the stern and portions of the side and the bow. Uh, very ornate rail. Tonight. It's, a, it's, a, it's a good-looking boat down there. Um, engines are all still there. I think it has, yeah, it's kind of got a stern cabin on it still even. It's, it's quite intact. Um, not really any penetration potential to it. Um, sits at 90 feet. Has uh, the, the holds are all full of sand, um, but the engines are all there. I mean, it, it's, it's a really cool-looking wreck. Um, then there's the Bermuda, which is over in Murray Bay off of Grand Island. You actually have a Civil War-era schooner that uh, sits in a whopping 28 feet of water and is pretty much completely intact. Um, you know, we, we dove it, but you could snorkel it. You know, this is one of the boats that you can see on the shipwreck crews up there. Um, shockingly intact for as shallow as it is. Um, the boat didn't actually originally sink there. Uh, sank in another area and then was raised about 10 years later and they salvaged the cargo and the masts out of it and had a cargo of iron ore which is quite valuable and they uh, you know so it was you know, raised they salvaged what they wanted of it and then they scuttled it you know, there in the bay and um, you know right off, right off Grand Island now um, it's a really cool dive easy dive I mean uh, I think you're only maybe four miles from the launch, it's a real easy run, and it's very much protected. Yeah, you're you're in Lake Superior, but you're kind of sandwiched in between um, the mainland and Grand Island, so it's a very easy run to get out there. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, I don't think we had more than you know one footer. So you know, it's kind of choppy, but you know, it was only about one foot all the way there and back. Um, 
then that's on a day when we had four footers in um, Whitefish Point. So yeah, we had great dives, great dives. Um, you know, we did manage to get on the Minneapolis. Um, current is known for being pretty treacherous on Minneapolis, and uh, it was that day. You know, we, you know, we got four divers in, four divers out. That was the important part. But we all learned a little bit more about current that day. Um, we got uh, got some new divers up there too. I know Karen came up and joined us for a day, and we got her on the um, well, what was it, the Jenny Lynn uh, tugboat in 20 feet of water there in Duncan Bay. I know she had a great time with that. She was she was ear to ear on that dive. I mean, you could even see it when she was down there. She was really enjoying that dive. I think that might have been her first wreck dive. So. Oh really? Spoiler off yeah. right away. Yeah, I don't. I I'm not certain, but I'm thinking she was saying that was her first wreck dive. I know she also dove the um, the Leviathan, which is a rather shallow wreck, only about ten feet of water right across the bay from there. Um, yeah, it was a. <clears throat> we really lucked out on this trip. I mean, generally we have a few days we get blown off. We just can't get out because it's just too rough. But you know. We had to modify our plans a little bit here and there, shorten up our days a little bit, you know. Um, but we got we got on, on a, we got on shipwrecks every single day. Um, I know the uh, dive shop gave us some information on a, a a new wreck up there, which hasn't been been um, logged in yet, and we got a chance to dive uh, an almost virgin wreck in 60 feet of water. Um, I'll let Jim tell you about that when he's on. That Jim was really turned really thrilled by diving that one, so I'll let him give away all the. All the, all the details on that one when he's on okay. next time. So, how about you, Mac? What have you been diving lately? Uh, the river. <laughs> <laughs> if you take a look at the uh, Facebook club site, you'll see some of the treasures from this afternoon's dive and tonight's dive and yesterday's dive and Saturday's uh, Monday's dive. You've had so, some real finds out there. Nice finds. Wow, impressive yeah. stuff. Uh, we've been having a good time. Like I said, the leeches were a little different because that's what we found today. We weren't looking for them, but they found us. Yeah, you're you're getting some amazing things from the river there. I'm looking at those enamel signs. Aren't uh, those awesome? Those are. If, he, if you, he struggled bringing those suckers back. Let me tell you, that soda one is is worth it. If you could get that cleaned up to where it resembled, you know, and I and I think I've seen a better picture of it than this one that I just that you just posted. I think you did have one where you cleaned it up, but that is that is a nice sign. That'd be one that you'd love to have in uh, surface condition. And that's one where I believe it's been down there for a long time. Some of some of these are just people taking their normal street signs, throwing them down right now. But that one's been sitting down there. If you go down a couple of pages, if you're on the club site, you can, he he uh, made pictures of the signs himself. Yeah, and that did that does look like he it cleaned up quite well. Uh, porcelain signs. Yeah, and and that's that's I, I, you call that a little patina, a city dairy ice cream soda. Beautiful. And then the other one, that looks a little bit newer to me. Said so this this is the ticket honorably made for honorable men. But that the that's old fashioned wording. Oh, I was thinking because I've seen uh I've seen one where it must be a play on this one. It says honorably made by dishonorable men. <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's a uh, union made that's a co uh coveralls, I yeah. think. Carhartt. Oh, is that Carhartt? That's what I believe, C-A-R-H-A-R-T-T. You're right, that is. Well, did you check out Wednesday's picture? Yes, beautiful. Big John, how you like that croc? That is a nice croc. So then look at the afternoon pictures from today. Okay. Yeah, you guys are cleaning up out there. If you blow that up, you'll see something in the background behind those Coke bottles. 
Now, which picture are you looking at? It says uh, treasures from this afternoon, river dive or drop. Oh, in the upper left-hand corner there? Behind the pop bottles, the Cokes. Mm-hmm. See that yep. jug? That's a huge jug. <laughs> I was going to put that over my head like he did on his, but I, it was heavier than I could lift. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was beautiful. Yeah, that's not your normal type of jug that I've been finding. No, that's, that's, my, that's my, my mom had one that was like an old family crock that saved that was about that size. But to have something like that that's still viable in the water is amazing. Yeah. Well, you see the pistol on that, and today's fine tonight. See it in the top right-hand corner? Mm-hmm. You notice that. <laughs> now, is that a toy pistol? What's the story on that? I can't tell you that. <laughs> I'll leave that to the imagination of the people. Hmm. Yeah, it looks like about 38. You figure most of the bottles we found today, we didn't take trash. We're, well, we're, we're getting really selective on what we take. The Cokes were not Christmas Cokes, so. Yeah, you got you had, uh, looks like a, a nice milk. What's that one that's like above the milk clear, like straight above it? It's the neck's kind of wide. It, it, I don't know. It's just a weird-looking little bottle. I said, what the heck, I'll take that home and clean it up. Yeah. I like the one almost dead center, that purple one. Mm-hmm. With the tall neck, that yep. is very attractive. Is it oh. is it truly purple? Because I, I have a bottle which I same same location, just like that, but it's brown. I got one, the brown one also. Mm-hmm. And it, it's 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 fitted like to have a have a glass a glass stopper in it. One of those looks like a plain Jane bottle to the left, bottom left says Coca Cola Coca Cola, meaning it's a, I'm I'm trying to determine if it's a real Coca Cola bottle from the day. Yeah, that's hard to tell because it could be um, a reproduction. No, this is not a reproduction. <laughs> oh, okay. So you're thinking it might be a non-Coca-Cola bottle that's from somebody it, else it, who is making the same type of product. Yes, and it's from St. Joe. Huh. Yeah, that that was what was interesting. So I'll be looking that one up. Yeah, that'd be one to kind of hold on to because that could be that could end up being something. Everybody had a good time. Cell phone didn't work. The reception sucked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nice. Found two credit cards. <laughs> and a gift card. I'm going to check and see if the, if the gift card is still viable. Yeah, but some nice finds there. What's that the brown jug? Is that a chlorine bottle? You think on, on the, the left? middle left? Yeah. That's a Clorox bottle, and that's an old-fashioned. That's a corker with a reduced neck. That's what I was saying is the neck looked a little unusual because I think Jim Clemen has found one almost that same size, but I'm pretty sure his the neck on his wasn't like that. Yeah. He, almost all the clean ones were buried. Yeah, so the the current uh, came to your benefit. Today, the current was less than yesterday. Less than it kicked your butt. Mm-hmm. Today, did not need the creeper at all. Everybody had a great time just with a river stick. Excellent. So when's everybody going back? Some people want to go tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> you got everybody all hooked now. Somebody said 10 o'clock. We could be out there all day. Yeah. We, we were debating that if we did triples. We could stay there all day and not have to come back up. Well, what you need to do is have somebody with a compressor on a trailer. Well, we were thinking, <laughs> um, Jim was saying we got the big fill bottles at the shop. Yes. Just put those on the barge. Everybody has a hookah line. We're good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, he, he was he was uh, talking about make he, and I, I still want to see him do it as he was going to take and uh, turn a, turn those into a set of doubles and dive them. You could do it, but I want to see you back roll off a boat with those suckers. <laughs> then I want to see you come up the ladder with it. Well, that, that's what I was going to say. Back rolling off might might be doable. It's the the climb up the ladder that will get. I want to watch that part. And and I want to see the uh, BC that's going to float them too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
the Goodyear blimp. Mm-hmm. I don't well, know. I, he's I, got, uh, Jim, Jim's got that, that Achilles dinghy. Probably that's about the size of a, the the BC you need to flight those babies. So <laughs> you could just you, you use the dinghy as your uh, your BC. Yeah, uh, I I still want to make the uh, six tank the six six tank setup that we have in the logo. Uh, I would still like to do that. Well, making it and using it are two different deals there, though. Well, I mean, making it the, the start. If you can't make it, you can't use it. But <laughs> so Saturday, some sometime this weekend, somebody's gonna get a dive in. So. Well, let me know. I think I'm going to try and sneak out someday. My lawnmower is officially broke, so I don't have to even use that as an excuse anymore. Mm-hmm. I think I'm just going to let it go. As long as the kids don't fall down, they, they'll be fine. Yeah, I'll definitely be getting out um, Saturday or Sunday, depending upon which day it looks better, weather-wise and all that. So. Mm-hmm. Are you doing a river, you think? Um, no, actually, I'm hoping to get on the big lake. Um, got a little project been working on out there, trying mm-hmm. to get a few more details on something out that I'm working on. So. Okay. Nothing major, just a little identification conflict to go out there. Yeah. Settle a few questions, hopefully. You were talking about uh, doing some searching tomorrow. What time? Um, I could meet up with you at 5 o'clock. Uh, the DNR launch? Yep, yep. Uh, using your gear, or should I bring the fish or something, or use yours? Uh, bring the fish. Um, I don't plan on diving. I'd love to, but I, my, my gear's all over the is still in doubles configuration, all that. If you want to dive, it's up to you. I, I'm just, I'm just going to search. Um, but yeah, let's let's bring the fish, and uh, you you can change the angle of, that that thing runs, right? Uh, we can we can change the on the bar. Yeah, we can move that up or back, however we need to. Yeah, um, yeah. So I'm, I'm looking back at it, you know, and we really only got like I don't know four days of searching out there this, this you know this year, just because weather and conflicts and things and all that. Yeah. I like to get a little a little bit more lawn mode out there. So, uh, yeah, we can meet at 5 o'clock, and we'll just head straight to it and continue that pattern we had going out. So Okay. I will I will let you know really early, meaning 9 o'clock, if that's a go or not. I'm, the parties that need to be informed are not asleep or are asleep at this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, go, go, wake, go wake her up. You'll get an answer, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we won't be doing that tomorrow, probably. <laughs> No, weather report looked good. It was supposed to be um, 10 miles an hour out of the southeast, which is, you know, basically nothing to build. So that should be pretty good. Yeah. Um, and waves less than a foot. Um, it, it might be flat enough. We won't need the fish. But, you know, if you have the fish, then at least if we need it, we got it, you know. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you also look on Skype, you'll see a picture that I had to make one like Big John did. All right. Did you see on Skype? I posted it already for you. On Skype. No, I didn't see it on Skype. Yeah, I, oh. I saw the photo of you holding up uh, your croc yeah. there. Yeah. Oh, I did see that. Yeah, nice. Oh, wow. I just I to show of how big that croc is. Yeah, bigger than a head. In fact, yeah. was there a head in it? Did you look in the croc? Well, I looked through the looking for the genie, but nobody was in it. <laughs> I'm always careful about uncorking it until I make sure there's not one in there. I don't want them to escape. Yeah. All right. Well, let's. Uh, I think we're getting to that time of the show. Are you guys ready? The only other plug I've got is the 17th is the... Uh, that sale at Wolf's, if you want okay. to sell some anchors or something, yep. or have something. It's so, also a nice one to go by and find out what can you find at a discount. So that that's where you go to Wolf's. So you, you can call them up in advance and get a spot or a table if you got stuff to sell. Um, so you got a lot of traffic that day, and there's going to be some deals. Looks like the dive shop will have some items there as well. You said that's on the 17th? Yes. Okay. And then we've got our Mud Club Ecological Dive. I think that's set for the 1st. October 1st, 1st, there you 
Maybe Jim will have more information on the next podcast for you. Yeah, yeah, we'll see if Jim can come on. If anybody happens to talk to him, see if he has some time. He'll be in uh, New Jersey this weekend. I know that. Uh-huh. But, uh huh. Afterwards, that'll be here for you. Know it. Oh yeah, yeah. Time, time's moving quickly here. Yeah, yeah it, you're not going to get wet. You're going to be in cold water pretty soon. Maybe hard water. Yeah, <laughs> that's coming. He'll be here eventually. But you know, when it gets cold, get a chainsaw. Um, I'd like to get a couple, couple of plugs in if you don't mind, Darren. Sure, go ahead. Um, as always, uh, support your local libraries. They're great for research. Uh, you want to go out and find a wreck if you want to, you know, actually do your own wreck hunting, not just build upon what someone else has done. You need to go to, that, to the libraries and dig up something fresh. Also, uh, nice if you can uh, support your local dive shops. Um, you know, we're seeing more and more of your brick and mortars are struggling with all the online shopping these days, but uh, try and get one of those online re- retailers to fill, to fill your scuba tanks. So support your local dive shops. And then if you want to follow us, you can go on facebook.com forward slash scuba obsessed. We're on the website, www.scubaobsessed.com and on Twitter at scuba obsessed. So are you ready? Let's do it. An Irish man walks into a pub in Boston, orders three pints of Guinness and takes a sip from each of them. He then orders three more and the barman asks him, would it not be cheaper to drink the rest of the first three pints? The Irishman replies that this is a triplet, and they all drank together in Dublin for years. Times had become hard, and now only one of his brothers is in Dublin. He had to come to Boston to work, and the other brother had gone to Australia. They all agreed to drink a toast to each other in this manner once a week. Time goes on, and bar regulars get used to his weekly ritual. Then one April, he comes in and only orders two pints. The staff and customers notice and think something must have happened to one of the brothers. They elect a bar manager to go over and find out what happened. He brings the two pints and says how sorry they are and asks, is there anything they can do to help? The Irishman is extremely puzzled at first and exclaims, oh, it's nothing like that. He just said I'd given up the drink for Lent. I had, to, I had to reread that one a couple times. I'm like, oh, okay. So until next time, go out there and get wet. And stay safe. And have fun. been completed.